Hey Bankless Nation, welcome to another episode of State of the Nation, where David and I get into something topical, super topical item today. ZK EVMs, they are here. Well, David, they are almost here, and we have brought on someone from the ZK EVM team, Matter Labs, to talk about it. What are we covering today, David? The ZK EVM is something that has really been exciting a lot of people in the layer two space, the scaling space, uh, because it is generally considered the gold standard of scalability. Uh, ZK rollups plus the EVM, we already know that the EVM itself, it was a huge uh, player in the 2021 bull market. So many people forked the EVM, spun out their own chains, uh, but that was as an alternative layer one. Uh, you add some cryptography magic with zero knowledge onto the ZKM, a ZK EVM, and it unlocks new frontiers, Ryan, if you will, for us to explore uh, as we explore out the crypto frontier. So that's why we are super excited today to talk to Steve Newcomb of the ZK Sync, the Matter Labs team, and all about the incoming ZK EVM that is imminent upon arrival. This is a technology that uh, Vitalik in our episode earlier this week that released on Monday, he said he was even surprised at mm -hmm. how quickly ZK EVMs are coming to market. And I think this episode will fill you in on some of those details. A quick disclosure before we get in, David and I are angel investors in the Matter Labs, which is the entity behind ZK Sync. We're also advisors to the ZK Sync project. We think that highly of it. Uh, and ZK Sync is currently a bankless sponsor. We wanted to get those disclosures up on the front of the show. We take disclosures seriously. So we are mentioning them at the top of every show from now on. There's also a link in the show notes where you can see all of the disclosure details where David and I get a peek into what we own, what <laughs> projects we're excited about. Um, also, want to tell the bankless nation about Swell. This is the next frontier, I think when it comes to decentralized staking technology. This is a thing that we have to get better at in crypto. It would be a massive failure if all of our stake ended up in centralized exchanges. And with Swell, we are pushing back against that narrative. David, what is Swell and how can folks get involved at this stage in the project? Yeah, Swell is joining the ranks of Rocketpool and Lido as a decentralized staking as a service provider. Uh, and so we all know these things. Uh, we, want the, we want our stake to be liquid, uh, but we also don't want to stake with centralized exchanges. Uh, and so it is a new staking as a service system with a liquid staking token uh, that is trying to do the best of both worlds for both Rocketpool and Lido. Rocketpool, of course, anyone can add their node to the Rocketpool network. That's why we love it. Uh, but also with Lido, Lido has such amount of scalability because they're permission validator set. Swell is trying to do the best of both worlds. Uh, so you can actually do both with Swell. There is a DAO that governs the permission validator set, but regardless, you can also permissionlessly join the network. Uh, so interesting strategy. We'll see how it plays out for them. If you want to join the Discord, there is a link in the show notes. Check out Swell. And also disclaimer, Ryan and I are also uh, angel advisors into Swell as well. And they also sponsored this message. So thank you, Swell. David. Why are we talking about ZK EVMs today? What, uh, why is this the topic of the week that we decided to delve into? Yeah, crypto right now is looking for a new narrative. Uh, what's next is a really big conversation in crypto right now. It's in fact, it's the name of the podcast that we just did with Vitalik Buterin. Post-merge, we're not really sure what to be hopeful for. And so instead of being hopeful, we just look at the macro markets and like cry a little bit. So crypto <laughs> is crypto's in search for what is next, what is on the horizon, what is something to be excited for. And Ryan, I, I remember the 2018 to 2020 bear market. As it, as it went on, 
you could just see the kindling being laid that eventually manifested into the 2021 bull market. And that kindling was using the Ethereum layer one to build out these new things called DeFi apps and later NFTs. And now that's kind of the status that we've had that bull market. But what we haven't had is a bull market in like the layer two space, the scalability space on Ethereum. So first comes the protocols, then comes the apps. And the ZK EVM, like I said at the intro, the ZK EVM is this new surface area for new frontiers. It is the thing that so many devs have been looking forward to and waiting to deploy on. So while it's not, the ZK EVM isn't as something as like massive as the merge, it's gonna be hard to compete with the merge, but it is something to answer the question, what's next, what to look forward to. And while we're all going through this bear market together, where to look for alpha because eventually the retail market is going to come back and they're very likely going to come back on top of a ZK EVM. So if you are here now listening to this, the ZK EVM is a frontier for you to like glom onto some alpha for. Uh, so at least that's what's going on in my mind while we listen to this. Yeah, I think that we are pretty close to the ZK EVM as well. So it's not something that is far into the future. This is something that is weeks away, potentially. We'll get into the timeline as well. Last thing, David, really quick for us. What should listeners be paying attention to in this episode? Yeah, there's many different components of a ZK EVM. There isn't one standard ZK EVM. So ZK Sync and Matter Labs are coming into the world of the ZK EVM with their flavor. There's also conversations as to how these organizations and entities interoperate and interact with each other. There's going to be conversations around bridging. Uh, how is bridging in a ZK EVM world different than an alt layer one world? So that's something to pay attention to. Uh, Onboarding is going to be a huge, huge conversation. We've seen some chains onboard in the bull market very, very well, and other, other chains not onboard so well. So how is ZK Sync approaching this? How are they going to capture some of the market share once their EVM goes to, goes to mainnet? And also, they're not the only ZK EVM coming. So what does that competition landscape look like? Uh, what else? What are you looking forward to, Ryan, in this episode? I'm going to be looking for the differences between ZK EVMs and optimistic rollups. I want to hear more about that. Uh, of course, I want to hear about uh, ZK Sync's plan for a token. Is that a component of the strategy? Where does that fit in? Um, and I also want to hear about this concept that I've heard a lot bandied about, which is layer threes. What are layer threes? This idea of, of self-sovereign chains that are also somehow secured by Ethereum. How does that mesh with Cosmos's app chain model? So these are some of the things I'll be looking for with Steve. Guys, hang with us for just another minute. We're going to be right back with Steve. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Lens Protocol is an open source tech stack for building decentralized social media applications. It is the new era for social media. We all have toxic relationships with our Web2 apps. We want to break up with them, but we can't. These applications own our digital lives and all the relationships that we've made. We need to break through to a new paradigm of social networking applications that we control rather than them controlling us. Lens isn't a social media app. It's a protocol to let a thousand Web3 social apps bloom. Lens is a permissionless and transparent social graph that is owned by the user. In crypto, we say not your keys, not your crypto. And on Lens, we say not your keys, not your profile. With Lens, your followers go with you to whatever social media application you want to use. And instead of being trapped by an algorithm chosen by that app, Lens lets you you choose the way you want to experience your social media. Lens is the last social media handle that you'll ever need to create. So in order to get started, there is a secret code word in the show notes. Enter that code word in the Google form linked and you'll be well on your way to entering the world of Web3 Social. 
RocketPool is your decentralized Ethereum staking protocol. You can stake your ETH in RocketPool and get our ETH in return, allowing you to stake your ETH and use it in DeFi at the same time. You can get 4% on your ETH by staking it with RocketPool, but you can get even more by running a node. RocketPool is the only staking provider that allows anyone to permissionlessly join their network of validating Ethereum nodes. Setting up your RocketPool node is easier than running a node solo, and you only need 16 ETH to get started. You get an extra 15% staking commission on the pooled ETH that uses your your node to stake. You also get RPL token rewards on top. So if you're bullish e-staking, you can boost your yield by adding your node to the decentralized rocket pool network, which currently has over 1,000 independent node operators. It's yield farming, but with Ethereum nodes. You can get started at rocketpool.net, and you can also join the rocket pool community in their Discord. You can find me hanging out there sometimes in the chat, so I'll see you there. Arbitrum is an Ethereum layer 2 scaling solution that is going to completely change how we use DeFi and NFTs. Some of the coolest new NFT collections have chosen Arbitrum as their home, while DeFi protocols continue to see increased liquidity and usage. You can now bridge straight into Arbitrum for more than 10 different exchanges, including Binance, FTX, Huobi, and Crypto.com. Once on Arbitrum, you'll enjoy fast transactions with cheap fees, allowing you to explore new frontiers of the crypto universe. New to Arbitrum, for a limited time, you can get Arbitrum NFTs designed by the famous artists Ratwell and Sugoi. For joining the Arbitrum Odyssey. The Odyssey is an eight-week-long event where you complete on-chain activities and receive a free NFT as a reward. Find out more by visiting the Discord at discord.gg Arbitrum. You can also bridge your assets to Arbitrum at bridge.arbitrum.io and access all of Arbitrum's apps at portal.arbitrum.one in order to experience DeFi and NFTs the way it was always meant to be, fast, cheap, secure, and friction-free. All right, guys, we are back. The ZK EVM, this mysterious bit of technology that came actually earlier than scheduled. This is the promised technology uh, to scale Ethereum. Uh, we've got Steve Newcomb here, who is the chief product officer at Matter Labs. He's the team behind ZK Sync. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And he is no stranger to startups. He founded four companies already. He brings a ton of experience to the frontier technologies in the world, including, of course, Ethereum scalability technologies. And he's also recently joined Matter Labs to accelerate the mass adoption of crypto. He aligns very much with some of our personal sovereignty goals at Bankless. And uh, Steve, it's great to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Really excited to be here with you guys. All right. You guys are getting close to mainnet. And by mainnet, I'm talking about a ZK EVM on mainnet. Can you give us the countdown? Like how many days? Because I've I, I, I been following you guys on Twitter and there have been some commitments made. When mainnet? And I'm wondering, I remember <laughs> like 100 days out and I just, my time schedules got lost somewhere. So like how many days out are we and are you going to hit that date? We are, so yeah, we set 100 days a while ago. And as soon as we said it was 100 days to mainnet, I think everybody in the company threw up because we we're like so worried about hitting it. <laughs> but um. We're 31 days away right now, and I, I think we're going to hit it. One I month. We're, things are looking, you know, I would say more than a non-zero chance that we'll hit it. More than a non-zero <laughs> chance, but there's also a chance that you won't then, I assume. But like... I think I think we're looking pretty good. I think we're looking pretty good. All right. The, mm -hmm. the TTD number is coming in healthy, I guess. So we're going to yeah. we're gonna hit ZK. Yeah. So, so what is actually shipping? Can you give us the high level? This is a thing that I've heard mm -hmm. some people call um, ZK Sync 2.0. So maybe that's a term that people are familiar with. Um, mm -hmm. the, the other, the high level, I think, is this is um, the first Z, um, EVM compatible uh, ZK rollup on mainnet, I believe. So maybe that's a milestone. But what is the thing that you are actually shipping? 
Yeah, I think this is going to be a big moment for not only uh, us, but for Ethereum, the whole community of us that have been after scaling, not just the technology of Ethereum, but the mission of Ethereum. And we are shipping the long awaited promise uh, of the end game for scaling Ethereum. And this is a ZK EVM uh, that is EVM compatible, which I'm sure we're going to get into a lot today. Um, it supports solidity. Um, it is really easy to port from wherever you are to ZK sync because it's compatible. Uh, it, it will be open source when we get to mainnet, we'll be talking about that. Um, and it will be supported by, I think a token model that expresses the mission of Ethereum and, and expands it. And so Steve, in the beginning, we were talking about what should listeners listen for? What should they look out for while they listen to this episode? And you just gave a, a list of characteristics or parameters about ZK sync specific ZK EVM. Can you talk a little yeah. bit about those design choices, uh, the, the flavor of ZK EVM, why you chose them and how they differ from other possible ZK EVMs that might appear on the market in the future? Yeah, I think that one of the things that we strive every day to do is to really be a mission more than a company. And our mission is to scale Ethereum. And so we listened to the Ethereum community and we said, what, what do you guys want? Um, what is it that makes it so special for us? Um, and it really was those five ingredients that is a, a general purpose, uh, EVM compatible, open source, uh, supported by a token model that we that we all have consensus around being the right way to do things. And it allows developers to use Solidity. So when you have those five magic components, it's really going to make it easy for people to adopt us, to port to us. Um, and our goal is to be the absolute number one choice amongst developers for layer two. We differ from a couple of the other different attempts. Um, and, you know, there's Starkware who has a project going on. There is Polygon. There is a company called Scroll that has a project that's going on. And there's a couple of important differences between all of us. And I, and I do want to say, I think the competition is healthy. Uh, it's good. And that when, when these projects have successes, we celebrate those successes too, because again, we're really here just for Ethereum and to scale the Ethereum uh, mission and values. But I think that, um, so first out, out was Starkware. They were the first one to come out with a general purpose ZK rollup. Um, and they were about eight months ahead of where when we're going to come out. It might be nine months. Um, but they only had two of the five components uh, with their release. So they weren't really EVM. Uh, they didn't support Solidity. You had to use Cairo, a custom language. Um, and they... And they weren't open source completely. It's sort of a, they have a complex, but very overt and then very transparent license uh, that they shared. And then a little bit of the fourth one is that their uh, token model wasn't exactly well received because they had 50% of the token going to insiders. Um, and they, they elected to charge gas fees in their own token. Um, Anytime you don't hit these five magic criteria, I think you have a lot of adoption friction and a lot of friction within your community. We saw DYDX leave largely because they didn't meet these five magic criteria. We may see other projects decide it's not for them. It's not a fit for them as well. Um, and then in terms of scroll and polygons approaches, um, 
I think that both of the approaches that they have are completely valid and healthy, that we are exploring and trying these things. But it's just a matter of timing. Uh, when are they coming out? When will they actually be available? And there's trade-offs. We believe that since we've already launched a ZK rollup before, we have a lot of uh, experience on mainnet. So through very principled thinking, we've made specific choices on purpose. We, of course, knew that these other two methods existed, but we passed on those methods in favor of the way that we're doing, largely because of hard fought embattled experience. Um, and we think that our solution has that magic mixture of EVM compatible that's almost perfected. There's only three opcodes we don't support. One of them is deprecated. The other one has been suggested to be de deprecated and the other one, no one uses. So we try to be accurate uh, when we market the product and tell people about the product. So we always call ourselves compatible. We don't try to claim equivalents, but it's really, it's a non-event. It's very easy to port to us. Um, but what really gives us advantage is, is uh, we think we've optimized ourselves for most compatible, but highest performance. And that allows us to scale better than every other solution out there, because that's our primary job. Our job is to scale Ethereum. Uh, so once all the porting is done, I think the EVM compatible versus uh, equivalence argument, it'll just, it'll just go poof. Uh, just like everybody was saying, hey, they're never going to get to proof of stake. Nobody's saying that. All, all the haters are, you know, they can't say that anymore, really, other than hating on proof of stake itself. Um, the, and then the other big difference is we have learned that you have to have patience as a strategy. You have to make sure security is a primary factor in your deployment plans. It took us nine months to go through testnet because we wanted to make sure we took the safest route through testnet. We're going through two full multi-million dollar uh, security audits that are that are testing us in every single way we can possibly think of. And we think about nine months is about as fast as you can go through testnet. And then even after we go through testnet, when we launch mainnet, and we'll talk about this in more detail, we are having a very careful approach to getting to full production. So one of the bigger differences is Scroll and Polygon, while they have a valid white papers and valid approaches to how to do this, um, neither are even started on their test nets yet. Um, so for about the next year in reality, unless somehow Polygon and Scroll have a magic way of getting through test net in three months, which we would say, good luck, uh, that's not really safe. Uh, please don't do that for the whole community. Um, that for about a year, we are going to be the ZK solution. And we can imagine a world in which we're very easy to port to, very easy to eat use and a lot of projects will be interested in porting to it because not only is zk layer two part of the end game but you get layer three for free and i'm sure we'll, we'll jam a lot about layer three but it's future proof because of the the very way that zk technology works so everybody's saying they want to try zk sync and 31 days to starting and i'm still throwing up i'm still a nervous wreck <laughs> uh but I'd rather so, I'd rather be thrown up on stage than be caught in the audience watching history being made. And I'm 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 loving being on stage, but I'm a nervous wreck, you know. All right. Well, I mean, it's a big event. Certainly, it's I can, I can imagine yeah. how the Ethereum devs felt before the merge, right? It's yeah. just like there are a lot of jitters here, and you guys are 31 days out, so that's big. I I want to go to because this is still fresh in my mind. So David and I just had Vitalik on the the podcast. We recorded last week, and 
um, first part of that was uh, released on Monday. And actually, when we asked him a question about layer twos, his answer somewhat surprised me. And I want to get kind of your reaction to this. So he said he was surprised at how fast ZK EVMs have progressed. That was the first part of it. Surprised mm -hmm. at how fast they've come to market and are coming to market. And I want to ask you the question, Steve, of like, how has it been so fast? Like, what, how are we here now? Like, you've even surprised Vitalik, which is like no easy thing to do. Um, what about the technology has progressed? Because this never happens mm -hmm. in software. It always takes like five times longer than you think. Mm -hmm. And this is happening faster than we think. Well, if it took, what was it, eight years to get from uh, proof of work to proof of stake, I think. Um, For Ethereum, yes. So consider then it was four years since we began to get to a true EVM compatible ZK rollup. Consider to get to layer three, consider maybe one year from now, we'll be really actually saying, oh my God, that only took one year to actually get into a workable state. Um, technology, when you're working on really hard technology, it comes in fits and spurts. It's not smooth. Um, one of the things that was just a huge unlock for us is when our crypto team figured out a, a lot of people still think we're running on specialized hardware in the prover um, and to get our prover working like on a GPU, for example, so that you can run it on normal machines and actually decentralize down the line. Well, we cracked it. Uh, we, didn't, we haven't told anybody until me telling you right now, but we cracked oh, it. Nice. And once something like that is unlocked, you, you suddenly just go really faster in a bunch of different areas because you're like, wow, that's easy. Or when you when you complete your first ZK circuit inside of a prover, and then you're like, okay, now we want to try doing recursive ZK proofs. And then you're like, oh, wow, that happened easier because the fundamental underlying work was done. So if you build a really good foundation, it's very easy to build the floors on top of that, that building. And what we're seeing is the foundation of Ethereum is now being well laid. And now we're seeing the foundation of ZK is now well laid. So things like the things that are happening in layer three um, will be able to blossom much, much faster than it took to build those foundational layers. So look for, like I call them 10x moments. They just happen. And then all of a sudden you have 100x use cases falling out of it and your speed to get to market has these, has these moments where you just zoom uh, forward and we had some moments where we, we just solved some things that were really big unlocks that people didn't think we would solve for years. I still, I think everybody watched that Dan Bonet video when he said it's 10 years, you know, till we solve this sort of stuff. And all of a sudden some advances were made and everybody's like, wait a minute, it might be two years. Um, so that, that's kind of how it happens. It's never a smooth ride. It's always, it's always fits and spurts. That was the first part of what Vitalik said. And the, and the second part, which was equally kind of interesting to me is that um, he, he said he has been somewhat surprised at how difficult it's been to figure out um, optimistic rollup fraud proof technology and that mm -hmm. uh, the top optimistic rollups today haven't fully implemented fraud proofs and um, how he thought that um, ZK EVMs might almost like be a short circuit to getting to not quite fraud proofs, but like the idea of like maybe converting some optimistic rollups to ZK type technology. And I'm wondering your reaction here, because one thing we've seen, it was, it was just over a year ago when David and I hosted 
a State of the Nation episode with the very first Layer 2 that was actually deploying on mainnet. And that Layer 2 was Arbitrum. Remember it mm -hmm. well. They were getting ready to launch. There's someone like you and that they were like, you know, very nervous about launching. I can't believe um, that was just one year ago, by the way. That was just <laughs> one year ago. I did not expect to have ZK EVMs just like one year later. Mm -hmm. um, but what do, what do you make of maybe this contrast with optimistic rollups, which we have seen a lot of traction? I mean, they, they've been deployed for the last year getting traction. I don't know how many billions of dollars in value are now locked on layer twos, but the bulk of it is on optimistic rollups. So mm -hmm. what do you make of the trade-off between like optimistic rollups and ZK EVMs? And how do you think that plays out? So, yeah, I mean, um, before I joined uh, Matter Labs, you know, I usually take a year between my projects that I work on. And I took a, I took a year and a half, actually, to really study uh, crypto to understand these types of things. And I remember when I first started looking at the optimistic, you know, rollups versus the ZK rollups. And I never had any problem understanding how an optimistic rollup might get a signal, a, sing a single, single order of magnitude improvement. Uh, to Ethereum, where I had trouble was how do you get many orders of magnitude? Like, how do we get to 100,000 transactions per second or a million transactions per second without degrading decentralization and without degrading security? And it's that last little bit. Um, so um, there's the seven-day settlement problem. Uh, there's the, the risk of centralizing as you scale up in optimistic rollups. Um, and I don't want to uh, bash on optimistic rollups. Um, rather, I'd, I'd, I'd say that um, we, we in the Ethereum community seem to eventually find consensus around things. Like we're like, okay, we argue about things for many years and then we finally get to a point where like, I think there's consensus that this is the answer. And we, we certainly went through it with like, we know side chains aren't the end game. We all agree on that. That's an easy one. I think we're at the edge of all finally agreeing that optimistic rollups, as valiant of an effort as it was, as much as it did advance the field for us, it's not the end game because when you go up into what we are about to call layer three, it is functionally inelegant and it just isn't as clean. And especially when we get to talking about bridging up in layer three and the magic that happens with ZK, that does not happen with optimistic I think it's layer three. When we begin to understand what happens in layer three is when I think we will begin to understand why Vitalik said it's the end game. Because that's the true, true, true magic. Um, that's as best I can say it. Because I, I don't want to, I don't want to like beat down on uh, optimistic rollups. But uh, I think we're all getting to the point where we're like, I think just ZK is more elegant. It's more scalable. It's more secure. And the, the last one, security, is a big one is a big one. Uh, Steve, I actually had the, uh, the privilege of kind of getting a preview of the conversation that we're talking about today because we did a mainnet uh, panel with uh, you, Ben from Optimism, uh, and also a Coinbase representative about this. And so since, we're, since we've got to the topic of layer threes, I think mm -hmm. what you just said is, is a pretty spicy take. Uh, I think a lot of listeners right now are like, oh, wow, like we're already, we're already ready to put optimistic rollups back on the shelf and, and take off, take down the, uh, the ZK rollup book. 
Like that's that happened so quickly. Again, like we just had it's been one year of optimistic rollups. So I think we have to go into like why you think that that is true and, and what the technology is that's supporting that that statement. Uh, and in, in mm -hmm. this uh, in this presentation we did, uh, you've gave, given me some of your slides. You produced a chart that said uh, uh, something about the scaling of the internet. So we're going to use what Bankless does really, very well, which is metaphors. Uh, so we're looking at a chart here where there's like yeah. 23,000 websites in about 1995. And then it goes to where we are uh, uh, closer to today, where there are 60 billion websites closer to today, which is like, you know, a significant amount of growth. Uh, and so, mm -hmm. the, you know, this is the model that we in the crypto world have used quite frequently is like every in the same way, like anyone can have a website, anyone can have a token. And I think the metaphor that you're providing here is that like, well, yes, that that model, that idea, you know, anybody can have a website, anybody can have a token works, but also anyone can have a layer two. Uh, and, and so this is going into this layer three conversation, which I also thought you put a, a pretty cool image together, which is like this fractal tree structure. And bankless listeners that, that know uh, what I like to pay attention to, they know I, I, I like the world, world uh, fractal and the way that nature and, and blockchains intersect. And so for the podcast listeners here, we're seeing uh, a graph where we have the Ethereum at the base layer, as it is, the global sediment layer. And then we have the ZK sync layer two. And then we have this like branching tree structure that looks like arteries or like lungs mm -hmm. or like lightning. And it's, it's spawning off into many, many, many different layer threes. Uh, and, and, I'm, and what you just said is that uh, the ZK technology, the, the ZK tech stack is more apt to produce what we are looking at than the optimistic roll-up tech stack. But can you also, can you, can you explain that and how this all works? It has to do with bridging, but also can you just explain like what this layer three ecosystem is? Like, what, like maybe people, if they think layer three is layer twos, layer one, they think, okay, the layer three settles down to the layer two, which settles down to the layer one, which is true, but it doesn't actually illustrate why there are so many layer threes. Uh, so can you kind of walk us through this layer three narrative and this <laughs> layer three tech stack and what it, what it really means? Uh, I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and the whole layer one, layer two, layer three is just, uh, we had to name it something. Uh, right. So I think these, this is as good as we can get. I think the, the, um, at the highest level, what are these 10x moments that like even bring us from like back in the day in 1995, 23,000 websites to 2005 was 60 billion. And I, and I know that number of 60 billion because that's that's when I built uh, a search engine called uh, PowerSet, which ultimately became uh, Microsoft Bing. And I'll just never remember like, like oh my God, we have to index 60 billion. Um, and thank God, like most of them were WordPress sites that were were easy to to index, but um, the the fits and spurts, these 10x moments usually come in either you got way faster, way cheaper, way easier to use, you had more feature sets, or you were much more secure. And like think of 1995 as like that back in the days, like nobody trusted the internet with their credit card. Um, everybody remember we thought the internet was a fad. Uh, nobody thought there was any real use cases for the internet. That's kind of where we are today mentally when you talk to like a norm, normal person. Um, and uh, it's exciting that that's where we are today because we're about to have a bunch of these 10X moments where you're, where you're making it easier, faster, cheaper, uh, more secure. And if we go into the, the famous tree of life uh, slide, um, and by the way, one of my other most proudest moments is I created this entire thing in Google Slides. I want everyone to know that. It took me like five hours. Wow. But uh, <laughs> this is pure Google Slides. <laughs> um, 
think of think of um, where are the 10x moments occurring and when are they coming? What's next, right? So we had our proof of work to proof of stake, sort of 10,000x moment in redu reduction of energy. What's the next 10x moment that we're going to see? Well, uh, it's going to be, it already did occur. It's layer two. So it was Arbitrum when we had layer two. They, they were about a 10x bump on top of uh, Ethereum. A layer two ZK rollup will be about the same, 10, 10 to maybe 100x depending on the, the, the situation. On top of so, the Arbitrum scale? On, in addition? No, 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 no. Equivalent, roughly. Okay, okay. At, at first, at, at first. first. And that's that's an important statement at first. Um, but we have EIP 4844 coming, you know, my best guess, Q2. You know, uh, you can you can see how good I am at predicting things, who knows. Um, that is going to be about a 10 to 20x. I know that if you go on blogs and the, the inner tubes, it says 100x. I would really bank on more of uh, 10 to 20x uh, range. And that's, this is proto dank sharding. Um, and uh, yeah, there it is, 100x. You know, that's the famous 100x number right there on the right. Uh, it, I think we should more realistically look at 10 to 20, but that's huge. Um, because every time we increase scalability of Ethereum by 10x, the use cases grow by 100x or 1,000x. Think of all the things you can do at, so if we're sitting at 150 transactions per second right now on a layer two and EIP 4844 comes, we're suddenly at 1,500 transactions per second. What can you do with that? And then imagine we, if we went to 10,500, 100,000 uh, transactions per second. Now you can power visas protocol at that standpoint. So it's like an important math equation. Every time these 10 X moments occur, you have a hundred X or a thousand X response in the ecosystem. And that's why we went from 23,000 websites in, to, in, in 1995. And suddenly we had JavaScript come along, jQuery came along that made it way easier. Uh, bandwidth speeds went from 10 kilobits to one megabit. And so we didn't have a 10x reaction in the number of websites. It's it's 12,000x. That's what happens in the ecosystem. So now going back down into the tree of life slide, we have one 10x moment left. That's a big one in Ethereum, EIP 4844. We have the 10x moment of layer twos themselves. Now, ZK sync and ZK rollups, as they mature, will trend towards 100x over time in layer two. And that's why I say at first. Mm -hmm. um, but where the real interesting thing is, is that in layer three, it's not one 10x moment. It's like a star cluster of 10x moments. It's a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of 10x moments that occur in layer three that revolve around either increased speed, reduction in cost, easier to use, more featureful to use, or and it's my favorite one, security. We can finally trust uh, uh, Ethereum's and and layer two, Ethereum and layer two, and we won't have these things where we're getting hacks in non-native bridges in in layer three. So, when you get up into layer three, think of it is layer three is infinite scalability with infinite customization, and instead of having a one block size fits all, which is kind of what layer two is each 
use case. So DeFi gaming, you know, go on forever of use cases can now customize a blockchain to its own purpose. And we call that a fractal blockchain. And if we want to get really super brandy brandy, we call it a fractal hyperchain. Uh, but it's basically a blockchain. And Hyper, um, hyperchain because is that a reference to like hyperlinking in that these blockchains it, are relating to each other? Yes. Yeah. That okay. is that it. So Alex, Alex, their co founder, named it that for that exact reason. Okay. Um, and uh, what makes these things magical is A, you can choose between one of three structures. You can say, I want a pure ZK rollup recursing inside of a ZK rollup base chain. And that's, that, that's, a, a, that's a layer three on top of the ZK sync layer two. Yeah. So imagine you're creating your layer three fractal hyperchain. Right. And the first question says, what type do you want? And you're like, I want type ZK rollup. And that's because you want the most security. Because in that one, you get to inherit the, the uh, security of Ethereum. But you're going to pay the most for that too. Right. The, the second option you could have for structure is you could have a ZK porter. Uh, Starkware calls that volition, I believe. Um, and you get to choose, I want some of my data to go to Ethereum, some of it to go off chain. And for example, a use case for that would be like a gaming company where I want all my financial transactions to be on Ethereum. But the fact that my sword of Elrond is green for my character, that can be done off chain because I want to do that super cheap, super high transaction speed. And then the last structural option you could say is, no, I want it to be a volition because I want millions of transactions per second. I want to pay super, super deep, cheap fees. And security, uh, I want it, but it's not as important as if I was doing banking or something like that. And then once you create the structure, then there's, there's two other magical things you can do up in layer three. One is you can choose to say, I want to secure my blockchain with my own token. Uh, and that is gigantic uh, for the field out there. This is DYDX. This is what they wanted to do, what they couldn't do on Starkware. So they moved to Cosmos. And it'll be a beautiful moment for the Ethereum community, I think, if we could bring DYDX back into the pure Ethereum uh, community by letting them to live in layer three, and they can have their own token and decentralize with their own token in layer three. Uh, the second thing that you can choose is whether or not your blockchain is private or not. And that's a super hot topic, I'm sure, but we, we see ourselves as just the technology providers, and then the dApp companies can choose whether they want to be private or public. And the beauty of this is that, and this is the big one, and this took me like forever to try to be able to describe in a simple way that was um, accurate. Um, regardless of the, the structure or options you choose to customize your fractal uh, hyperchain, all of the fractal hyperchains in layer three are bound by one magical thing. They are all on the same circuit technology. So they are proven by the same prover. And what that allows you to do is normally when you're, you're interacting from one blockchain to another blockchain, that interaction is through a non-native bridge. Um, but in a hyperchain world, um, that interaction is uh, a native bridge. Um, uh, or as when we were on stage, Ben corrected me. He's like, no, it's not a bridge at all. Uh, right. And that's actually kind of an interesting way to think about it is like, if, if this possible future of fractal hyperchains can exist, the internet of fractal hyperchains, then there are no more bridges. And, 
And now we're getting into the reason why potentially this one potential future is the end game for Ethereum. Because then some other magical things can happen. If we can standardize on one prover that does one circuit in one way, then uh, we can invite some very, very interesting futures to exist that maybe didn't exist in people's heads before. I've heard so many times people were like, I think it's a winner take all and all the alt L1s are going to die. And there will be one L2 that rises to the top and all the other alt L2s will, um, will go away as well. So uh, as ZK Sync has the potential in one possible future to be the standard uh, L2 prover, um, imagine a, a world in which two things that happen that are kind of mind-bending. Um, imagine all of the L2s adopt our prover technology and we are all on one circuit. And imagine optimism, polygon, scroll, everyone gets to exist, but what they exist as is as a layer three fractal hyperchain. And imagine all the alt L1s come over and they exist as a layer three fractal hyperchain. And the beauty is um, that communities that believe in these blockchains, because when you buy into a blockchain, you're buying into more than just the blockchain, you're buying into its belief system. And like Optimism has amazing things going for it with its community, with its efforts and governance, um, with its, its public goods projects. And you know, to, to belong to the network state of optimism is something that perhaps should be fought for to preserve in some way. Um, and how can we how can we work with all of the blockchains to preserve what their missions are and to say, let's bring technology to the table and that we promote that standardization is very, very important. When we when we finally all standardize on EVM, how much happened when we finally agreed EVM was the standard? Imagine if there is a prover that we say this prover is the standard, let's all adopt it, then we really grow. Steve, one quick question for you. Do they lose anything if they select uh, ZK Sync as the prover and Optimism and Alt Layer One? What are they, are they losing anything here? Are they losing any sovereignty? I hope not. Um, I think it's a complex topic. Uh, I, I think we're at the very, very, very beginning edges of that topic. So in terms of like, is there a consensus that ZK Sync's prover is the end game? Absolutely not. We haven't even launched yet. <laughs> we haven't proven anything. Um, we need to launch and show the goods and live up to the hype. Um, and uh, part of that is by sharing information, sharing how we do what we do. And we can talk about that in a minute. And and proving that we deserve to be the standard. And even once we are the standard, you know, rollups that aren't ZK rollups that have their own token, they have their own economies, that is very complex. And we have not figured that out in any way, shape or form, but that's our job. Our job is to go out there and to, as you guys say, to the frontier and like figure that out. Like that's what makes this so exciting. Uh, so we we don't know how this all works out. It's one of many possible futures. But when I sit and think about the possible future where we can bring the Alt L2s into the layer three place and we can bring the Alt L1s into layer three and we can survive and thrive in these communities, 
to me, that is so much better than winner takes all and we destroy blockchains. Because um, we, we at Matter Labs want to be creators and we want to be positive and we want to be expressing the values of Ethereum. And I don't think to like to destroy your competitors is like what you know being in, in the Ethereum community is all about. Um, so I'm constantly reaching out uh, to the other founders of, of all of the projects and saying, how can we think through this? Because if we, if, we, if, we, if we get to the other side of this future, and Vitalik said it, I think, on your show the other day, once we solve scaling, we enable all of the many possible futures of Ethereum. And this is just one of them that I described. There, may, there, there, there are many, many other possible futures, but I'm really excited about this possible future. Sure, sure. There, the take that other layer twos will actually become proven by the ZK sync prover as layer threes. Uh, and, and like Ryan, of course, asked, do they lose anything by doing that? Do they lose their sovereignty? Uh, and and I, I love I love the philosophy of that answer is no. How can we grow the pie the most by having producing an inclusive environment where everyone can settle on the same proving standard because that optimizes for bridge risks? But isn't don't like uh, doesn't a competitor ZK EVM like Scroll or Polygon? Don't they also want that? Like, don't they also want? Uh, other optimisms ZK Sync to to settle on their prover, and so like, what do you think they they think when they are listening to uh, to ZK Sync say, hey, like they'll come and settle with our prover? I I, I hope that what they think is that we are all after the same thing, mm -hmm. and that if I see data that their approach is better than our approach, then I will listen to that data. Um, I am not a uh, religious zealot on the way that we do it. Okay. I. I am very familiar with the way that we do it. And I think we have very principled reasons why we chose the way that we did it. But our job uh, for all of the companies that are trying to find approaches to do a ZK rollup is to say, let's listen to the data. Uh, so we are going to be the first ones out there for like a year and everybody's going to be able to see our data. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we are going to be able, we're going to be, you know, uh, at, at some point submitting our prover to uh, ZPrize so that everybody can see how it performs. And that's the sort of stuff we all need to do is, is share how we're doing this uh, so that we can pick the right solution moving forward. And if we, for whatever reason, decide the method that Scroll has or the method Polygon has is actually better than what we have, again, I, I just go right back to, to what we said at the very, very beginning. Our job is to scale Ethereum. Uh, our job is to have a mission not to have like a token that just solely benefits ourselves so we can line our pockets. We're, we're here to, you know, somehow find a way to accelerate self-sovereignty and it has to be a big ego, you know, swallow your ego and just like get, get over to the other side of this thing. And it's, it's tough. It's a struggle because we do want to win. I'm very competitive as a, as a human being. I want to win, but I don't want to win and like stick it to somebody. I want to win because we were actually just right. 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 Um, I think this is the big takeaway that I'm getting so far is that it is the prover vector that I think is the focus of competition. And it's like it's this is really just a meta game of who's got the best prover. Uh, and that's going to be, a, I think, a big conversation between the ZK EVM teams moving forward. But on that same conversation with the reason why the prover is such a big deal and uh, we talked about this, but I really want to drill this home. Is it because, uh, Steve, you use that term, everything's on the same circuit, right? If optimism comes and settles on ZK Sync, they're on the same circuit. And I want to unpack what that means a little bit more. And I think what that means is that if everything is using the same prover, 
that creates mm -hmm. this native bridge ecosystem, which is meaningfully different from the cross layer one bridges that seemingly always get hacked uh, at side chains that also kind of same deal get hacked. Uh, so the bridging problem was clouded and just like tainted this whole entire bull market because we couldn't find cross chain bridges that could stand up. Uh, and so now we're getting into this world where we have these new forms of bridges and these new forms of bridges are specifically enabled because they all settle on the same prover, the same canonical prover that we as an industry, hopefully we can coordinate around. And that enables these things called hyper bridges, which like you mentioned, Ben Jones from Optimism saying, well, really, there's actually not a bridge there. Uh, it's actually straight mm -hmm. cryptography all the way through and through. Can you talk about this vision for the future and why this means that we can support an infinite, infinite number of bridges, which again, technically aren't any bridges anymore. And like what that does, why like going the 10 to 100 X on security can do the thing that we saw with websites where we went from a thousand websites to 60 billion websites. What does that mean for the, the blockchain ecosystem? And, uh, and yeah, can you like if, polish off this part of this conversation? Yeah. So like th there are two, well, so in terms of like, it's not which layer two blockchain is winner take all or winner take most. It's which prover takes all. Um, the words we should be using is, is what do we choose to standardize and ultimately commoditize um, if, if, we, if we all agree to it? It's, uh, it's like a browser agreeing to use JavaScript and CSS and that there is a JavaScript standards body and there's a CSS standards body and all browsers use it the same. Therefore, all browsers benefit because of it. Um, there are many areas where there are projects and, and, and technologies that are put forward where one of the L2s is saying, hey, I think this should be a standard. And it's more than just provers. So like Optimism has bedrock. And they want bedrock, bedrock to be adopted as a standard. And imagine, there's an imaginary possible future in which we slot our prover inside of bedrock. Now, I currently don't understand technically how that would work. Uh, to be, it, 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 It's something that I would have to listen to and understand a lot more about. But I do know that if optimism becomes an L3 fractal hyperchain, I know that the circuits work. And I know how that works. I don't know much about Bedrock, but that's another example of a potential technology that could become a standard. And just like when the browsers agreed on standards, everything got better, so too will the same exist um, for crypto. Uh, imagine if we all agreed to common set standards for SDKs and CLI tools and other types of things that made things easier. So you're, you're after one of those 10x moments. So Think of 10x speed, 10x reduction in cost, 10x easier, 10x more featureful, 10x more secure. And those are your areas where you're looking for things to agree on with other projects. And when you can, it, it benefits the whole ecosystem. And I always liken it to when the browser, nobody trusted their credit cards on the browser and we finally agreed on SSL everywhere. And, and we've got that lock icon up in, up in your browser window. And suddenly people started trusting using their credit cards online and it changed e-commerce. It, it, it created e-commerce, didn't change it. It created the use case of e-commerce. And you think that and, this is going to be the same thing with this hyperlinking native bridging again, which is like actually the elimination of bridges where you have much stronger cryptographic assurances 
about where your assets are in the blockchain ecosystem if it is all like again what you say on the same circuit we can instead of like a little lock icon yes. there'll be a little new icon that says you know secured or secured by ethereum or is it secured by zk sync that's kind of like the the metaphor here yeah i mean tcp ip is a protocol we all agree on https is a protocol we all agree on um when we get to a point where we are hundreds of thousands of transactions per second gas fees are minimal um it's as easy to create a blockchain as it, as it is to create a Squarespace site. It is featureful as we want it to be. And we have the features of like Shopify right at our fingertips to create anything or Unreal Engine is on the blockchain and that we trust it and it's secure. That's when we see that lock icon change into the Ethereum icon and everything we do in the world is Ethereum. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so uh, in in kind of the the cosmos like model of the world, there are all of mm -hmm. these um, self sovereign chains essentially, and anyone can spin one up. It's very easy with kind of like you know Tendermint and all of the components that they've built, and there's a certain beauty in that because you get to run all of these experiments in in parallel, and everyone gets sovereignty of their chain. And yet the Ethereum criticism of that is it's also a very messy world, and it's <laughs> also a world that seems highly risky because when you port assets from one chain to another from another chain to another you have no idea as to the security of that um, particular asset because it's backed by validators and you know mm -hmm. three or four different chains and then you also have to go through kind of the, the the bridge piece of it and then more broadly if you assume there are worlds outside of cosmos which of course there are ethereum is much larger than cosmos at this moment if you try to port an ethereum asset onto cosmos you lose more security guarantees or Cosmos asset on, on Ethereum. And so it's kind of this messy world where I don't know if my ETH wrapped on Cosmos, I have no idea how secure it is. It could get hacked mm -hmm. any moment with all of these kind of like flaws in, in the chain. And so what, what I see in your vision here, Steve, the vision you just laid out with layer three is we get to um, still keep that multi self-sovereign chain anyone can spin up something and experiment experience and yet we don't have the downside because we have the shared security of ethereum we also have um the bridging security through through hyper bridges where mm -hmm. there aren't even bridges it's almost like you're operating in kind of like one single virtual chain that you know exists as independent uh, organisms C can you talk a little bit about the the cosmos vision of the world and how that's different or similar to what you've just laid out? Yeah, um, very good question. Um, I, I, I think that um, I, in trying to understand things like this, I always try to find some sort of comparable that makes my brain like click into place and like go, oh yeah, that's what that is. And think, think of it this way. Imagine that there is a spectrum of um, form and function and control. And at one end of the spectrum, you can say like, do whatever you want. And the other end of the spectrum is like this hyper controlled. You must do it this one way. It can only be done in this one size fits all sort of world. And now go back and imagine that spectrum and apply it to the web two space. And so I'm going to say a statement. I'm going to, it's a little spicy. And, and I, I want to send a lot of love to Cosmos because they had a lot of the right ideas, but they're functionally the MySpace of blockchains. Um, 
it's it's a great idea. They get social media. They got it. Like they got so many nuggets of it, but it's but it's kind of a mess. And and so structure is what's needed. And the idea is is so so imagine you you have this spectrum of structure. And like if you have too little, you get you get MySpace. If you have too much, you just you just get this single way of doing things, and it's just not featureful. It's not customizable. It's not what you want. And you've got to have that dialed in. And so we are an example of an experiment in providing a, a, a level of, of structure. So we have our three different structures of your hyperchain, and everybody must be under the same circuit to have safety and to have security. So we, we brought that dial. We, we took inspiration from Cosmos. We pretty much have their exact color scheme in our brand. It's hilarious. Um, but... I, I love reading the Cosmos papers. I love reading the Cosmos visions because there's so much goodness in the vision. But the way the tech is implemented, the way the early shot, you know, take an early shot at this, it's it 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 is sort of a little bit MySpacey in that it's just it's disorganized. There's no there's no security and structure at the end of the day that I believe that could scale. Um, but that being said, like I cannot tell you how inspiring Cosmos is to me. I, I I have read the white papers, and this is true for for many of the other projects in the ecosystem. But their method of connecting blockchains is an older technology for connecting blockchains, and is therefore less secure. Their structure of how you can create your own blockchains is much more wide open, and and can lead to a lot of things that would worry me. Um, so think of us as just uh, we're not one size fits all. But what we do get to do is is what will be perceived as infinite customization, but there's actually underlying structure that, that is essential for principled good engineering that uh, provides the security necessary to trust the 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 the, the blockchains and, and all of the blockchains interacting with one another. What would it look like for an alternative layer one to become a layer three in this scheme that that you just mentioned and in, in fact do you think that's actually like a possibility i know plenia has predicted this many times and he's somewhat of people have labeled them a, a, a layer two roll-up maximalist maybe but mm -hmm. uh, could you actually imagine an alternative layer one like a fairly large market cap layer one migrating to a structure like this or how about um a DeFi app I know we already mentioned DYDX, but there are other DeFi apps, of course. Could they become their own chains and uh, be, be, be part of this fractal on layer three? Yeah, I think that we're at the very beginning of contemplating this. And um, when we first had the concept of layer three and sort of first threw it out there um, and had our first tests uh, of this and it realized that it worked, um, I was shocked at how many, um, L1s have come to us. Um, I was shocked at how many DeFi projects have come to us. I would say that, um, it's, it's kind of weird. We're launching the L2, which we've been working on for four years. It's the most exciting thing in the planet. And, um, uh, I, I, we are, we are having just so many meetings about L3 because that's the star cluster of 10X moments. And everybody's kind of getting it. And the way I would say it is that we need help. Um, uh, we we need to have a project where we have a tier one or many tier one uh, 
ecosystem projects work with us and perhaps work with some people that are other people that are the smartest people on the planet. Um, and imagine we're all working in unison towards this, this one possible future, but we're beginning to see the beginnings of a cohesive uh, uh, approach um, where we have a consensus that, oh my God, I think this could be the standard. So be on the lookout for a 10X moment where a, a, a group of tier ones band together to, to study this and to figure this out because we have a long way to go before it becomes a reality. But I would say that we have definitively uh, come to the conclusion that, that it is worth a great deal of study because uh, it, it could provide, uh, again, this, this star cluster of 10X moments and be something that is, is a benefit to, to, to every people uh, or every project in the ecosystem. So I, I, can't, I can't yet make a comment on like announcing stuff, but I would say very much, you know, we talk about what's next, what are the next big moments coming, be on the lookout for that type of a moment because uh, I'm feeling a groundswell that has come our way to begin talking seriously about layer three. Well, Steve, I have thoroughly been enjoying this uh, conversation thus far. There, there's a few other things that I, I want to get to, of course, when token and was that token <laughs> due? Uh, I, I mean, we got to ask about that, but also like all of everything that you've been saying, it's like, it's a great, it's great on a podcast. It's great with words. What's this actual onboarding strategy look like? Like, how are you going to do it? Uh, so I want to ask about that. But also just overall, what's next in the ZK Sync roadmap uh, with only 31 mm -hmm. days left? What are y'all doing inside of those 31 days? Uh, and then what's going to be after those 31 days? So all these questions and more are coming right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Juno is bringing crypto-friendly banking straight into your checking account. With Juno, you can send money from your Juno checking account straight onto a layer two, like Polygon, Optimism, Arbitrum, and they have ZK Sync and StarkNet support on their way. You can skip the ACH wait times, you can skip all the gas fees, and go straight from your checking account to an Ethereum layer two in seconds. Inside Juno, you can buy and sell crypto with $0 fees, and your Juno checking account comes with a metal MasterCard that gives you up to 5% cash back on your spending. Juno is also giving you $10 cash back on your first crypto deposit and a hundred dollars when you set up a direct deposit this ad just writes itself so go sign up at juno.finance bankless zk sync is an ethereum layer 2 network that is pushing the frontier of high performance blockchains that don't compromise on security or decentralization zk sync has combined the power of zero knowledge rollups in the ethereum virtual machine enabling developers to build the greatest web3 projects possible ones we haven't even seen yet crypto needs its killer applications to onboard the world but crypto killer apps need zk sync as a platform to build on first it's generally accepted that zero knowledge rollups are the conclusion of crypto blockchain scaling technology and zk sync is leading the charge into the final frontier of crypto economics. So if you're a developer who wants to build your app on a future-proof foundation, which gives your users the best UX possible, check out ZK Sync's website at zksync.io. And yes, there's also going to be a token, so give them a follow on Twitter too, at zksync. The Brave browser is the user-first browser for the Web3 internet, with over 60 million monthly active users. And inside the Brave browser, you'll find the Brave wallet, the secure multi-chain crypto wallet built right into the browser. Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street, more control and better privacy, but there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. And most crypto wallets are browser extensions, which can easily be spoofed. But the Brave wallet is different. No extensions are required, which gives Brave browser an extra level of security versus other wallets. Brave wallet is your secure passport for the possibilities of Web3, and 
supports multiple chains, including Ethereum and Solana. You can even buy crypto directly inside the wallet with Ramp. And of course, you can store, send, and swap your crypto assets, manage your NFTs, and connect to other wallets and DeFi apps. So whether you're new to crypto or you're a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions and it's time to switch to the Brave wallet. Download Brave at brave.com bankless and click the wallet icon to get started. And we are back with our conversation with Steve Newcomb from ZK Sync. And Steve, uh, I mean, I've been loving this conversation. Again, like any time we talk about like uh, fractals in nature and hyperscalability, uh, hyperchains and like, you know, the tree of, of life metaphor for a group of chains. What that sounds like to me is a bunch of surface area. Uh, and like I was alluding to earlier in the show, during 2018 to 2019, it was that like kindling, that brush that was growing that a lot of us that stuck around during the bear market during that time saw. It's like, yo, like this mm. Uniswap thing is, is really cool. Uh, this DeFi thing's great. Uh, once people figure this out, that's gonna be awesome. And then when I see like chains upon chains upon chains, all I'm seeing is like surface area for use cases and platforms and projects and companies to like latch onto. And finally we can push Ethereum into every single corner of the internet. It's a great idea. Mm -hmm. It's a great vision. But what about the actual onboarding? Because some layer twos definitely <laughs> like uh, get their adoption and get their uh, business development better than others. So what's this strategy? Like how is ZK Sync going to go from the Bankless podcast where we're talking about fractals and stuff to like onboarding actual like Web2 commerce, future Web3 ideas? Like what's the, what's the business development and onboarding strategy here? Yeah, we will, we will be um, much to many's chagrin, I think much more like Ethereum than just YOLOing on the mainnet and hoping for the best. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that it's important for people to understand that the onboarding that we're going to be conducting. So on October 28th, we're going to go into mainnet for about, about a month. We're going to be kicking the tires and we are going to be the ones that are the only people using the system for the first month, because we want to absolutely make sure, even though we've had two security audits, we're going to be doing all sorts of exercises to try to punch holes in it for about a month and kick the tires and make sure it's safe for everybody. After that, we're going to start letting everybody in to begin developing and, and uh, creating their dApps on ZK Sync. However, they'll be gated. So th while the dApps work, uh, only the developers will be able to use them. The users won't be allowed to be onboarded. And then again, we're going through more testing, more security, more testing, and more security. And when we're happy with that, uh, all of the projects at once will be, the gate will be lifted and everybody will launch uh, at once. So it's it's not so dissimilar from kind of what we just went through with uh, proof of work to proof of stake. There's going to be a moment where there's a day where it happens. and people will probably yell at us the entire time we're waiting for that day. And we're going to be like, nope, we are taking the absolute most safest, uh, most secure route to that moment. If it takes us three months, it takes us three months. If it takes us six months, it takes six months. If it takes nine months, that's okay too. We will never shortcut our testnet activities. You know, when we go through testnet, we took zero shortcuts. Um, when we go through mainnet from all the way from, alpha to, hey, we're wide open and everything's good to go and everybody can just rock and roll on ZK Sync, we're going to be very careful the entire way through. So you're going to see projects like probably just like, come on, like, come on, hit that button <laughs> and let us in. And just like Ethereum, we're going to be like, no, like it is our J-O-B to be secure. We cannot have a foul up here in the same way that 
I mean, several order of magnitude more important, proof of work to proof of stake, it needed to go right. I mean, I told everybody, like, if that goes down, like, I'm, look, I'm probably looking for, everybody's looking for a new job. Like, there's nothing left if that goes down. And we treat our launch onto mainnet uh, the same way. Um, so everybody thinks October 28th, oh, my God, the world's going to change. We'll have 14,000 TPS, blah, 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 blah. That's not going to, it's not going to be how it happens. It's going to be slow, quiet, careful, principled rollout in the most careful possible way that expresses the carefulness that Ethereum already expresses. All right. So, so just so we're understanding the analogy we used before, like a year ago at this time was um, for Arbitrum was like the, the analogy of a theme park. Okay. And you guys have the theme park ready. It's on mainnet. You have all the infrastructure for the theme park. Step one is the internal employees are going to make sure everything in the theme park is kind of working. And that's going to last yeah. a month, maybe a little bit longer. And step two is you're going to allow a bunch of builders in who could start building the rides. You know, this is like roller coaster tycoon or something. Uh, build all the rides. All the while, everyone's going to make sure that these rides are safe, that kids aren't getting flung off the, the roller coaster, right? That no one's going to die. And those tires are going to be kicked. Uh, and then eventually, the gates will open for general use and anybody can come streaming into the theme park and start to use the rides. But the first step is October 28th, where you're just going to open the park internally, then the builders, right. then opening it for um, all of the theme park attendees. And you don't really have a timeline on when the theme park will be open for the users and the attendees, other than to say, we're going to make sure it's secure and ready before we open the gates. Is this right? That I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> uh, you said it perfectly. Yeah. We, we will not let our, uh, some sort of hype marketing campaign, pick a date for us to say like, we need to launch on this date. We are going to let security tell us when we're able to launch because uh, that is paramount for us. But that, that was a very good analogy. Uh, and that is, that is almost just dead on exactly how we're thinking about it. So Steve, of course, we've got ZK Sync, we've got the ZK EVM, when ZK token. When, Here comes the token. And question. what does it do? What, like, how would be, what kind of flavor token would it do? Would it be? Um, so again, uh, this was an area where like patience is, is one of our greatest strategies in ZK uh, Sync is like, we, we look at what everybody else has done in the market space. And, and again, a nod to optimism for really moving the ball down the field for how governance can work, how decentralization can, can happen, how tokenomics can work. I, I'm very thankful that I think that the Ethereum community now pretty much, I believe, has consensus on a few of the items of how tokenomics should work. And while I really can't comment on our token on when it will occur or anything of that sort. Um, I can say that when we, we've studied the system and we really do think that when we saw layer twos coming out with token token splits, where it's 50% to the insiders, we just never felt like that was who we were. Um, and so we, we stay uh, committed and are committed and, and will when we do have this, we are committed to one third insiders, two thirds public. And I think that's essentially just as important of standardizing our prover for everybody in the system 
we should standardize things like these things that say these are our belief systems that should also be shared and standardize. And as well, there's another big one, which is gas fees. Um, I remember when, I, I think you guys probably remember too, when when I read that Starkware was charging their own token for gas fees, I was just like, huh? I was <laughs> like, uh, what? Like, what? Nobody's going to like that. Like, what? Um, and when you, I often say that when you see a company's tokenomics model, it kind of expresses who they are. And we um, are here to scale Ethereum. So we will be charging our gas fees in ETH. Um, and that's all I can really say about our tokenomics is that we will be committed to doing things the right way. Um, and, and, and when people choose a layer two solution, uh, we always remind them that you're not just choosing the prover and the tech and which one is the end game for scaling. You should choose the one that's the end game for ethos. Um, and tokenomics is a very, very strong area to understand where some of these ethos, uh, uh, ethos sits. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to people, uh, not like financially benefiting from something like this, but from coming up to us and saying, thank you. Uh, thank you for doing it the right way. And, and, and when, when we, you know, when you raise money and stuff like that, you have to negotiate to stick on this sort of stuff. And it's such a such a devil on your shoulder. Like I can have a huge valuation if I just agree to these horrifying like terms. And I couldn't have been prouder about how we have always stuck to our principles in, in the company. So that's I think that's all I'm allowed to say about our uh, tokenomics. Sure. Yeah. And uh, of course, whenever a token gets released, it's always that pie chart of distribution that is basically the first thing yeah. that gets analyzed. It's did I get the airdrop and what's the distribution? Uh, and so the, the two thirds mm -hmm. to the public, one third to the private is uh, uh, going to be interesting to see how that lands with the community and, and what they say. Um, but how have you guys thought about how that two thirds distribution actually works? Because distributing is hard these days. There is uh, an arms <laughs> race between airdrop farmers and airdroppers. And mm -hmm. there's many different ways to distribute a token. Uh, and some are better than others. Have you guys thought about the strategy or how you guys are actually going to uh, push out the token to the people that you want that token to land with versus the people that you don't? Mm -hmm. uh, there, uh, unfortunately, uh, I wish there was broad consensus on how to do that so we could just copy somebody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think this is a field where we need to innovate because I think it's a little bit broken and it needs some love. Uh, and it needs some some thought. Uh, somebody, I think, needs to come in and be a thought leader in this area and really nail it. Um, I, I guarantee you I will be uh, maybe trying to get some advice from Optimism and saying, what are their thoughts? Because I think they are thought leaders in the space. Um, I don't think anybody's got this one yet. I don't think this is figured out. Um, uh, I think we need to work on this one. I think that all the things you mentioned are problems. We got to fix them. And uh, we expect us to be us and come up with something that nobody expected us to do. That everybody, as soon as they hear it, just like they hear like one circuit to rule them all and alt L1s becoming L3 validiums. And they're like, whoa, whoever thought of that? Expect us to do that sort of thinking and trying our best to be leaders and push the ball down the field and be responsible about it in such a way that we can create a standard around doing this so that we help everybody. 
Well, Steve, I, I certainly appreciate the intentionality and the foresight and forethought that, that y'all seem to be putting putting into this. I just want to ask about um, open source, because uh, this is also a topic of conversation between many of the mm -hmm. Layer 2 teams, both on the uh, ZK Rollup and Optimistic Rollup side. Uh, can you talk about why is the open source conversation such a big deal and what, what elements of ZK yeah. Sync are open source and, and what's left to open source and where do you guys stand on this whole front? Yeah, I mean, and we since we've uh, uh, had zk sync 1.0 out there for so long, we've gone through this open source stuff, and um, it's interesting because open source, not in crypto, so like normal open source, uh, is a bit more straightforward. Um, I, I I was blessed with the opportunity to be able to to fund Node.js and help create it at one of the largest uh, open source projects in the world. And I got to fund and be on the board of directors of jQuery, which 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 is the largest open source project in the world. And in those areas, like those types of open source is straightforward. It's like you protect three freedoms, the freedom to view the code, the freedom to change the code, and the freedom to fork the code. Boom, you're done. In crypto, we learned some weirdo lessons uh, with ZK Sync 1. Do you guys remember what happened back then? So we we open sourced it all three freedoms right off the bat while we were developing it, and I would say that some people with not great intentions forked us and launched with bugs uh, in the system uh. and didn't know how to fix the bugs, and that hurts the Ethereum ecosystem when you do things like that. It makes people not trusted. You can have hacks. You can have all sorts of bad things happen when you have code that really isn't really battle tested and you have these bad actors that will will fork your code and do nasty things with them and uh, you know so at someday i think someone will count up all of the nasty forks of zk sync 1.0 and you know they they all die away it's not like it's a competitive worry what our worry is is that when that happens the news will catch hold of it and expand upon it and then it makes everybody in the ethereum community look bad so we're we're sitting here trying to think this out, and it's another area where like there's no consensus on this. Everybody does it their own way. Starkware does it their own way. They end up actually not open sourcing after they went into production. Polygon, what they do is they give you source visible, but they copyright it. So then forking and changing the code is not possible. And then they they say that they're going to make all three freedoms open when they go live. That 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 might work. Um, but what's weird, if somebody does fork you in that model and you're using copyright to protect yourself from a bad actor forking you, then you're using the very nation state to sue that company that you're trying to undo in the first place. So it's a little bit of a like, whoa, I'm, I'm, I don't want to use the nation state to protect me to, to undo for, the nation for state. my chain so, security. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like thinking about an unpitted olive for too long. It's like really complex. Uh, and <laughs> Yeah, that joke takes a while to hit. Um, <laughs> um, and and so we're thinking about our open source strategy. Meanwhile, and rightfully so, it happens every time I, you know, we we are, we're on a panel with Arbitrum and Steven. He's always hitting us up, like, "Why aren't you open source? Why are you coding in the dark? Why don't you code in the light?" And we're like, "I know, but it's it's not a perfect world. We just don't want to be forked again, and then people do nasty things." And with zk sync two being you know, this 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 long-awaited EVM ZK roll-up, we're like, wow, this could be really bad because everybody's after this stuff and really bad stuff could happen. 
So uh, this will definitely be spicy. Uh, so we're going to announce what we're going to do. It's definitely not perfect. Um, but I hope what people can see is the intent. So here's what we're going to do. When we hit mainnet, everything will be uh, protect open sourced and protecting all three freedoms. Freedom to view the code, change the code, fork the code, with the exception of one thing. We're going we're gonna to hold back, um, and I actually have my language here to get it exactly right. We're going to hold back the node implementation of our prover and the method by which we were able to get the prover to work efficient, efficiently mm -hmm. on regular old GPUs. Um, and that is the secret sauce, basically, of what that is the 10x breakthrough. I would maybe even say that's a 100x breakthrough that we did. Um, and the reason we are holding that back is because we've, we've, we think we've been able to create a principled pattern that we can now announce and say, this is what we will always follow so that no longer does anybody need to ask what's our open source strategy. So here's as best, I'm going to try to say it as best I can. When anything that we build touches the hands of the users that it was intended to, we will fully open source it and protect all three freedoms. But if we are releasing software and it still is sitting in a centralized state where we are not releasing it to the intended users, meaning we are still kicking its tires, we're still testing it out, we are still making sure it's secure and unhackable, and we are taking on the risk to make sure that it stays secure. In those situations, we will, we will uh, protect that code so that a bad actor can't fork it and then release it to people with mistakes in it. But then once we do decentralize our prover, and that is when we have the technology in the hands of validators, which are the users of that when we secure it. And at that moment, we, we will be releasing that into open source. And um, this is a conversation that Alex and I have been going through uh, with our VP of engineering and, and other folks on the team. And Alex made the call today. Uh, we, this has been a, a very long uh, discussion in the company. And what's important for Alex and me and the whole company is that we do things based on principled thinking. And so again, it's that thought process of, if the technology has been delivered securely, and we believe it's now secured to the intended end user, that is the moment in which we will make it fully open source. So for the, for the vast majority of the code, that means mainnet, when we are on mainnet. Um, and we think it's really, really important not to let uh, uh, people with bad intentions to be able to try to fork something when it's not fully secured yet when it's not fully battle tested, because our, our mission, and we always go back to our mission, is we can never damage Ethereum and, and the community within the Ethereum and the reputation of Ethereum. So we cannot have a security situation happen ever. And we have a goal and a mission to be seen as a leader in security. And that may mean that we are slower, that we take longer, that, that people have to wait. It may mean, may mean that we have an open source policy that I can, I can hear Steven over at Arbitrum right now, handing it to me. I, I know he's gonna, he's gonna, and I'm just gonna smile and I'll be like, I, we did the best we could, man. 
But the other thing we're doing is like Stephen, rightfully so, said, I want to see your prover. I want to see what its stats are. I want to see it in action. So what we are going to do is we're going to submit it to uh, ZPRIZE so that everybody can see the measurements of its performance. Because it is a very big deal that we got this working on a GPU. Everybody thought we were working on specialized hardware and it was going to cost a mint. Every every time Stephen like hands it to us on an L2 panel, he's always like, your prover is going to be too expensive because you have to have specialized hardware. Um, well, that's just not true. Um, and we'll be able to put that out in the open public so everybody can see that. In 31 and days, right? In, 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 I think it's going to happen exactly on the day, but there's some logistics that we only have so many human beings, but the intention is like that's when it would happen. And I know this is going to get spicy. I know that, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that I'm going to definitely get some comments on this. Um, and I just want everybody to know, like, we know that, that the world isn't perfect on this and that nobody has it yet. Uh, Polygon's method is, I don't think that solves it quite. Um, but we are trying to move the ball down the field and open up this as a, as a open and transparent conversation of, Hey, here's the issues we're thinking about. And so, yeah, I'm going to take the punch to the face probably so that I can protect Ethereum. And so that we can take the safest and securest route. And, and we're always happy to do that because we got to live by our principles at the end of the day. Well, that's okay. Nerd fights are my favorite type of They're fights. They're the best fights. <laughs> yeah. Competition the is L2 good for panel. Ethereum. The next yeah, L2 panel is going to be like wild. <laughs> look, it's good. You guys should be holding each other accountable. So, and the back and yeah. forth is appreciated, I think, by the Ethereum community. Um, Steve, this has been great. Thank you so much for walking us through it. L last question for you. I think this thing that you're shipping on October 28th, um, mm -hmm. and I guess you're not waiting till Halloween, huh? Not October 31st, October 28th. This I don't want the launch of my uh, Layer 2 Ryan to be on spooky. Halloween night. I don't, I don't want to classify <laughs> that as spooky. <laughs> Just in before Halloween, all right. Uh, fair enough. So um, this is called ZK Sync 2.0, I think. And yes. there is a ZK Sync 3.0, one, one mm -hmm. might imagine or maybe some sort of a you know smaller point upgrade, what's on the future roadmap? So after you ship this thing, what are you gonna be looking at? You don't have to go into all the details because I think we've stuffed people's brains a lot on this podcast with some mind-blowing yeah. concepts, but just the high level, what would the next step be for ZK Sync? Beyond ZK Sync 3? Beyond 2, tell us about 3. Oh, well, ZK Sync 3 is synonymous with Layer 3 and all the things that I spoke about in Layer 3. Um, so that is the ability to choose the structure of your fractal hyperchain, uh, whether it be a ZK Rollup, a ZK Porter, or ZK Validium. It's the ability to uh, have your own token to secure your own uh, hyperchain, the ability to choose whether it's public or private, and then all of this will be uh, mastered with one circuit. And that is um, not coming on the 20. 8th, right? No. ZK Sync no, 2 no, is coming no. on the 28th. We'll not have all of those things, but ZK, 3, uh, ZK Sync 3 comes later and will have all of those things. It's synonymous with the layer 3 concept we were talking about. Yeah, so, and, and think that it took us four years to get to ZK Sync 2 on October 28th. Um, ZK Sync 3 on testnet is going to happen a whole lot sooner than anyone thinks. It, okay. it The innovations go boom, 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 boom. And uh, it's going to be exciting to have, when Vitalik says he sometimes gets surprised how fast things move, 
I, I think I'll have a little bit of joy when we say like, hey, look at this. And he says, I'm shocked again. Um, <laughs> uh, it's really, really exciting how fast the innovation is going to happen. And one of the things that's going to happen as an arc over that is we are working very hard and it's going to become a theme and a narrative that's part of who we are is we're going to make it a lot easier to build stuff. So think of my background and what I've worked on. If anybody wants to look at my background, you can you can very much see where I'm going to take this. And that is we're going to make this thing easy. So look for SDKs, CLI tools, all the way down eventually to the WordPress of crypto. We went at this, I imagine a world that's low code, no code, click some buttons and you have your own blockchain that is doing extremely sophisticated things. Um, I think 10x factor improvement in easy is going to be a very big story. But for the rest of this year and for all of next year, the biggest story I think for us is going to be just porting everybody over so they can try ZK Sync out for themselves and being welcoming to those people and making it easy for those people. We're seeing it anywhere from seven minutes to seven days to port. So it's been really, really easy to do. And it's been really joyous to watch people's light eyes light up and be like, oh my God, I was so afraid, but that was actually like super duper easy. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of my job on the product side is to make it a, a, a joy to be using this technology instead of something that people fear and, and they think it's going to make them feel dumb. I want to make people feel brilliant. Um, so cool. that's what's in store for us coming down the next year or two. That's awesome. Uh, David, did you hear that? Zero code, no code chain so maybe bankless gets its own chain on layer yeah, three exactly yeah. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for joining us this has been awesome thanks for having me risks and disclaimers everyone of course i gotta tell you like i always do none of this has been financial advice even though we talked a little bit about tokens crypto is risky so is eth so is DeFi. all of it is you could lose what you put in but we are headed west this is the frontier maybe the new frontier is layer three. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.